Check out bmfcast.com for all our episodes and links to our social things. And for tons of bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash bmfcast. Right, welcome to the Banff Cast uh, Variety Hour. Variety Hour, yeah, number variety three. Hour. Uh, numbers no longer have meaning. Time doesn't have meaning. Uh, but I'm Harlow. Nothing has meaning. <laughs> I'm Mackie. I'm BJ. Yeah, and we're here with another ex- existential cast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on an on weekly basis. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, we are stuck at home. We are uh, foregoing in case you're for some reason joining us now, like it's the latest episode. Uh, we're foregoing the actual bad movie part of our normal thing. So that's why we're calling it the variety hour. We're just shooting the shit about what we've been watching. Other things may creep in, but you know, we have Lucy goosey. It's like a long second half, but Lucy goosey yeah. other rules. We've, we've tried to Pretty plan much. a couple of things like, Hey, I'm going to watch this. Anyone want to join along? Go ahead. And I, I think that happened this week. Uh, it with, did, with perfect uh, 100% success rate. Yeah, yeah. just there barely. Was some discussion I... last week. Because, BJ, um, you watched Tombstone. Yeah, so I was watching Tombstone, and I was talking to uh, listener Jens about uh, Tombstone. Hi, Jens. And <laughs> um, <laughs> he doesn't speak like that. Uncanny. <laughs> I know. I know. You can tell me he doesn't speak like that as much as you want. I'm still going to do hi, Jens, because it I know, makes me I know. Laugh. Um, but, uh, so we were talking about, uh, the music cause I was remarking to him that it was, it reminded me in some ways of Goldsmith. And, uh, so he's like, oh, funny. You should mention that because, um, uh, they wanted Goldsmith for the music to tombstone, but instead, um, Goldsmith suggested the guy whose name I've forgotten now. Um, oh, it's like, uh crap it's like billy bro or something like that <laughs> yeah george brow Brough, george brow, brow. Sure. br i don't know bruce broughton there it is bruce broughton i knew it was yeah, a bruce samsonite so it was close. an alliterative <laughs> name <laughs> yeah so um yeah so it was recommended to um cosmatos i guess um Cosmatos, whatever his name is. Sure. The guy that um, that directed. Cosmatos. I think that works. Yeah. Uh, so it was recommended by um, Goldsmith that they use Bruce Broughton. And then um, somebody else who worked on Silverado, I think, suggested Bruce Broughton again. Or Kasdan consulted Goldsmith and he said Bruce Broughton is the guy for this. But um, anyway... It's like Jens's second favorite director, and he's like, oh, telling me all sorts of... You get Jens on a on a tear about music, especially mm-hmm. anything Goldsmith adjacent, and he's just... He will just... Yeah. I don't want to say vomit, because I don't want to like give it a bad connotation, but he will just eject... He won't stop. <laughs> ...masses of knowledge onto you, and it's... Yeah, he like, just skeets the knowledge <laughs> everywhere, and you can't help it. Yes. Yeah. He yeets yeah. knowledge upon you. Um so he's like, yeah, you got to see, you really, really need to, to watch Silverado. And 
uh, I started talking about it in the group chat, I think. And we're like, yeah, Silverado. And Chuck says, yeah, you'd need to fucking watch Silverado. So uh, we all have now watched Silverado. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was a long, long time getting from there to here. But yes, we all watched Silverado. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm fucking with you, man. I'm just giving you shit. That's what we do. <laughs> Which is we can't do it all night and then be nice on the podcast. So this has got to like you know be all (laughs) all all encompassing. Yes, we we all simultaneously well not simultaneously we all watched Silverado after his discussion about and we're all realizing we'd never seen Silverado somehow. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Directed by Lawrence Kasdan and written by Lawrence Kasdan and Mark Kasdan, and starring Kevin Kline and Scott Glenn and Kevin Costner and Danny Glover. And a, a whole bunch of other people. Yeah. And like 85 other people. Yeah. Um, like everything and, before uh, the, well, everything up to the and credit, it was just like, here's 20 names of people that you know. <laughs> and then like a yeah. few in the also co-starring. And I was like, oh shit, hey, the, this person too. Yeah. And there's people like Richard Jenkins. I believe that was his first movie. Um, you even have Brian James, who's not even credited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brian Dennehy. And of course, yeah, yeah, it's got Brian Dennehy. Uh, that's part of why we're like, hey, we should probably watch that. It's got Jeff Goldblum, Linda Hunt. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. It's a it's, it's a crazy cast. Uh, Roseanne yeah, Goldblum. I mean, yeah, it's, it just kind of keeps going. Mm-hmm. I well, the thing is, like, I went in going nothing except okay, this is a western, and Lawrence Kasdan directed it. I, so I was like, all right, cool. And then they get, and then I'm like, hey, that's Scott Glenn in the opening scene, and then the credits start, and I'm just like. Oh, cool. Kevin Klein, Scott Glenn, Danny Glover, Kevin Costner. You know, it's just like Brian Dennehy. It's like name after name. I'm like, John Cleese. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like Jeff Fahey. Everyone in the movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jeff Fahey. Um, yeah, it just keeps Jesus. going. Yeah. I'm like, I'm forgetting people now because it's just, it's so many. But yeah, I, yeah. I think this is one of those things like the video cover never did this movie any favors for me because I, I want to say it just, it looked. Like I always thought the Young Guns covers were really dumb. I mean, the movies are pretty dumb too, but they're they're fun. Mm-hmm. But like this one was like almost like the Asylum version of a, of a Young Guns cover. I know it was a couple of years before it, but like there's just something about it sitting in the video store. I was just like, Ugh, no, that looks bad. I, just <laughs> like a bad poster or something, you know, to me, underselling yeah. this movie. I think um, because it looks like a shitty recreation of an old, you know, an old Western poster. Yeah, but yeah. The, there's the movies kind of a great recreation of some old westerns <laughs> yes absolutely yeah um, um yeah i don't i don't know who wants to go first but yeah i mean the op- opening scene is amazing it just drops you right in it, you know it starts it starts completely soundlessly which like even all through the production crawls which i think is a really nice touch up until like the very first mm-hmm. thing you hear is a gunshot because so i jumped shoot- ahead in the movie yeah. just to make sure that there wasn't <laughs> something wrong with my audio right i did the same thing yeah. like i, I only because i was just watching on like the same player and everything something moments before i was like well i know my audio is good because i was this was just working so i trusted it and yeah it's just it's the silent all through the production logos up until like a slow pan around to scott glenn's sleeping in a cot in like a shack and just starts getting shot at from through the through the shack and like so the gunshots are the very first sound in the movie basically you know other than mm-hmm. like you know they, they they fade in a little bit of the ambient sound a little bit when it goes to the just, scene just a hint just enough to go just like barely if you're yeah. really paying attention it's like okay my sound's not fucked up but yeah but and yeah from there it's just i my description of it is i feel like it's one of the last great hurrahs for the technicolor western era um 
to me like this this tombstone and i know some of these like came after the other ones and you know there were a couple other examples but to me like this is kind of a crowning achievement of like the last of the technicolor westerns because tombstone is gets a little more brutal and gritty than this one does not by a lot i mean i still think it's still Mm -hmm. kind of that hey this is westerns what i'm trying to get to is like i feel like once unforgiven came out most of the roadmap for westerns turned to the grim and gritty reboot of like for a while you know kids would watch westerns and be like wow that looks like fun you know i want to have lived in the old west you know and be a cowboy and shoot guns and stuff and you know learn the quick draw and riding horses and all this shit and then like by the time unforgiven came around it was like besides the fact that that's now impossible in a hundred years past fuck all that shit you didn't want to live there like this sucked Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know (laughs) yeah like and everything just became like you know like the more true it's like the old knights movies versus like you know when it was like no everyone just pissed and threw it out the window and stuff like that you're just walking around in sewage in the streets like you didn't want to live in medieval times it was fucking horrible you know (laughs) plague (laughs) and everything else you know but we glamorized it for a long time it was you know, we were watching all the kings and queens and chivalrous, shiny armored knights, you know, and this is yeah. kind of like that. It's like everyone's kind of almost wearing like the perfect cowboy, like no cowboy would actually be caught dead wearing this kind of thing, sort of outfit still, you know? Right. And, yeah. Like the Jeff Goldblum outfit almost looks modern. Like, oh, yeah. It looks like he's wearing like, I mean, there's kind of like, it's kind of a pimp suit, but when he steps up to, I think there's like, like when he talks to somebody, he just looks like he's wearing like a normal sport coat almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. his first and shot of every- him is he's like he comes out like wearing a mink coat of like yeah, you know, actual not fully finished mink coat. You know, just mm-hmm. a bunch of minks sewn together <laughs> kind of coat. You yeah. Know? Um. But yeah, it's just like he's he's basically like an old west pimp when he rolls out in this movie. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. there's no better way to describe it. But you know, he plays a character named Slick. You know, it's just like it's that kind of movie. It's but it's not it's not wholly without consequence or gravitas to things that are happening. It's like, there are still terrible depictions of racist shit. There's still like, you know, lawlessness and all that. And gunshots actually are gunshots. It's not just like, Oh, I fell off a banister (laughs) into a pad. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, it's better than all that. Like, this is not to say don't go in expecting like uh, the searchers or something like where it's like, it just totally looks shot on a soundstage, you know? But yeah, I it's it's fantastic. Um, I, yeah, I'm kind of mad it's that I've never really, seen it. It's really great. Yeah, I'm amazed I hadn't seen it before now. And like, especially with this cast, it's like holy shit! Like, what happened? And apparently, it flopped completely the box offices, which is part of why it got forgotten. Because you know that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. If you know if 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 your movie didn't didn't make a billion dollars, it's a bad apparently, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to not marketed well or whatever. But you know, we've covered that ground with enough things well, this on is, this show. I mean, sure. this feels like one of those ones. Like, I, I will give you, like, I don't hate Waterworld. It's not a great movie, <laughs> you know? Like, there's a lot of movies that, like, did un- severely underperformed at the box office that are, okay, yeah. I can see. Like, Cutthroat Island is kind of fun. Did it co- need to cost $120 million? Probably not, <laughs> you know? Like, no. things like that. Like, it's like, sometimes you want to root against this, but, like, this is the first one I can think of where it's like, I know people love Ishtar, things like this that have, you know, you know, spent a, a billion dollars and made two, but this is what I, I'm kind of angry about. Like, this is the one I, I would step up and be like, no, <laughs> like your yeah. box office did not equal quality thing. This would, would be where I'd get in someone's face and be like, no, fuck you, Silverado's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're the we're the Silverado Defense Force. I, I apparently, guess. yeah, yeah. Or a posse. I think we have to be a posse. 
Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's not without fault. Uh, by the end, I found like some of the uh, the resolution a little unsatisfying because a lot of the guys are like, oh man, this fucker needs to suffer. Because I mean, it is really like, it made me realize how much black exploitation movies are basically just Westerns, except all the cast is black. Because it's like, all right, the, you know, the cops who are in power control everything and they get away with whoever they want. And, you know, working in the system is not going to work because they control the system, you know. Right. And this movie very much does a lot of that. Because, you know, one thing Brian Dennehy, man, that guy could play a piece of shit better than just about anybody. It's weird. And, though, still, and still be like charming. Yeah. He's doing almost the exact same thing as in First Blood in this. Like yes. he starts as a total asshole and I wouldn't say redeems himself by the end, but at least becomes sympathetic or it's just like, or at least like he's filled with like, oh fuck, I, I messed up. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm just resigned to, I fucked up. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So not necessarily, you know, likable, but he, he's doing almost the exact same character arc in this movie. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I almost, I found myself wanting Danny Glover's character, Mal to be the main character. Because I was like more motivated by everything that was going on with him than I necessarily was with like it's weird. Kevin Klein is ostensibly like the star. I, I think he has more screen time than anyone else. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like his story to me was the least interesting out of the group. And Scott Glenn, like his, just kind of like almost feels like it's happening on the edges. And it's a lot of like, all right, there's a lot of old stuff that's got to be resolved here. Yeah. And you never really get the story of what happened entirely with him and all these other dudes, but it still kind of works. Yeah. I, all right. So this but movie, you definitely get, Go ahead. Oh, you definitely get, um, like all of Danny Glover's backstory. So oh, yeah. you have, you have that full arc with Danny Glover. Um, I, th- I think yeah, so. I, I feel like there's some a- left out because like, it just kind of, it kind of says like, well, where were you? I was in Chicago working in the slaughterhouses, but you get the, feeling he left for doing different things like becoming mm-hmm. an outlaw for a while and just ending up like that's how he went yeah, legit or whatever you know yeah because when he first shows the sister she's just like why the hell are you even here right you know i think that's more it feels like it's more than just like you left home you know there's something mm-hmm. else like you left home being a piece of shit i i, mm-hmm. I was just gonna say all right I, I i don't know how you feel but this is a pretty old movie can we at least venture close to spoiler territory i mean it's 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 fairly it was old. released in 1985. I think we're okay. Right. Okay. I'm just, yeah. I wanted to say, I don't think this is a giant spoiler for what happens because I mean, this, while it's a good movie and I'm not going to talk about directly what's happened, what happens with the plot, the archetypes are all fairly standard. If you've seen a Western, yeah. you know, like what's yeah. happening, yeah. like Kevin Klein is this guy who is like, I'm on the straight and narrow now, but it's like, you f- you get the you get the impression you're picking up him up just having gone on the straight and narrow. <laughs> like, like he's barely out of that <laughs> yeah. life. And so, there's a there's a thing that happens to me in the movie because you know uh, Scott Glenn finds him just basically almost dead in the desert like someone stole his horse and all his clothes and everything he's just in his long johns basically out in the desert dying and so he finds him gives him some water takes him into town and you know gives him a couple things and he gets like this stupid floppy hat like a, a prospector's hat kind of thing and he doesn't like it and he's bummed about he lost his horse and he's bummed about he lost his hat most more than anything and and his gun and his guns yeah mm-hmm. but. Uh, there's a point where he gets his hat back and it's, it's a very symbolic moment because like he's described it. It's this, it's kind of an unassuming, but cool black Stetson with a, like a silver band around it. And, mm-hmm. and he's just like, he's kind of described it, but so then you see it 
you know, things happen and he gets the hat back from the guy who stole it. He's kind of slowly catching a lot of the people that stole his shit throughout the course of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, from the moment he picks up the hat, which is a black hat, and this is a very archetypal Western type thing, his character be- starts to drift towards evil. Like, he gets he gets sucked into, like, a job working for the shitty people. His motivations are, you know, wavering from his, you know, Granted, they just met like a week ago, but like his new friends, you know, people they seem to really care. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. money and I, I can't be involved in that. And so his his motivation kind of like, oh, I'm going to drift back to being the bad guy again. And there's I was just waiting for a point in the movie where he loses the black hat and the black hat was just like, fuck this. This is my old life. I don't need it. I'm I'm, I'm I am a good guy now. And there's a moment where they're possing up to go do a thing and. He mm-hmm. comes riding alongside in, like, you know, the, the, the backwards version of the missing man formation. He kind of, like, comes in and is like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm going to. And that would have been a perfect fucking moment for him to take the hat and just go, yeah, and fucking, like, ride off. And just, mm-hmm. if you're paying attention, it's there. But I was just like, the moment he got the hat and I was like, oh, he's going evil. I was just waiting for that, like, fuck the hat. You know, like, I'm mm-hmm. a good guy now. And it never, yeah. it never happens. And, like, super minor nitpick. It's just the thing is, like, oh, man, like, they should have done that. I just feel like that would have had a little oomph. Yeah. One of the one of the things I like that they did with Kevin Klein's character is they gave him a lot of um little like motif moments like that like uh like the the hat uh, he also says um like that's bad luck mm-hmm. a lot a lot he mm-hmm. references bad luck uh there are a couple other things that I that I can't remember now but I really like that progression of like it's almost like in a video game when you hit the abilities and you have to go collect all the shit that you had before you know <laughs> the first thing that happens when he comes into the town is he sees the guy that stole his horse and he gets his horse back and then he gets his hat and his guns. And eventually I guess he gets his clothes back somewhere or gets just some clothes. New but, clothes yeah. yeah. But um, I like all of his, all of his little repetitions throughout, throughout the movie. That's all I had to say about that particular yeah. part. Um, oh, I really like, <laughs> I just thought of one other weird random note. Uh, <laughs> this is so fucking weird. Okay. I have no idea why this happened, but um, Scott Glenn and Kevin Costner are brothers in this movie, as you come to find out. And they're, yeah. you know, he was on his way not only to get his brother, you know, I don't know if he knew he was in jail, but it turns out he's in jail. Not only to bring get his brother, but like get him and go to see their sister. And we meet his sister and her husband and, and, and their, their kid. And the second, like it was, two seconds after they showed him, I went, oh, that's Wilson from Home Improvement. <laughs> like, literally, I was like, why yeah. did I do that? Like, mm-hmm. A, you never saw anything but me here, and why did I see this guy? I just immediately, like, a lot of other people took me several seconds, like, oh, shit, that's so-and-so. For some reason, that guy showed up, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's fucking yeah. Wilson from Home Improvement. Like, the fuck? That was just the weirdest thing for me to, like, just mm-hmm. pull out of my goddamn head. All these other famous people are like, oh, hey, it's him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Stupid, stupid. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I like it, but there's a lot of nitpicky stuff that I have about especially uh, Kevin Klein's character and his motivations and his art because it's kind of like what Brian Dennehy holds over him doesn't quite make sense to me as far as like, I don't feel like that relationship is shown as being super developed. And, you know, Rosanna Arquette just kind of exists way off on the periphery. Like, apparently in the trivia, it said that they cut a lot of her scenes and it shows because she's just kind of there. 
And every once in a while she shows up because it's like, hey, there's a girl the guys are lusting after. <laughs> but she doesn't really have much personality at all because she's only has really one scene where she gets to talk to anybody in a, any sort of dialogue. So, you yeah. know, it's not it's not perfect, but no, you no, know, it's not. It's, you're not really that's not really what you're there for anyway, you know. But it seemed like they were trying to set up some sort of love triangle thing that just I, I, they, Kasdan must have been like, you know what? I don't care about this. Like, <laughs> I've, I've, done, I've done this once. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 this is not interesting. Let's move yeah. on here. Well, I mean, it, it's it's the weirdest love triangle because it's basically like she goes like, I really just want to farm and have kids and stuff. And Kevin Klein's like, cool, later. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, not for Bye. me. I'm more about that city life and gambling and shit. <laughs> so yeah, you have fun and, like, with all Scott that. Scott Glenn will stop by and she'll be like, hey, you stopped by. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving in a minute. Yeah. I <laughs> just know? wanted to, uh, you know. Yeah, no? All right, later. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> you want to... Uh, uh, you, me? No? No? What? No, yeah. yeah, I got to... Uh, yeah, anyway, he, he I got to see a man about a horse. The Roxbury, like... No? Right. <laughs> just, yeah. That doesn't work for the audio podcast but at all. Just <laughs> I will say there is one uh, one definite fuck yes moment. And it's it happens late in the movie when it's basically like a, another character tells Scott Glenn, "All right, we got to do this," mm-hmm. and he's basically just like, "All right, then," <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And like the music starts swelling, and he starts gearing up, and you're like, "Yes, fuck yes." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I will say another thing: be, be prepared because this is one of those movies I thought for a while. I mean, now I see what it was doing and what it was setting up, but for a while I thought it was just going to be western dazed and confused because it feels like it takes a while for the main plot to kick in <laughs> like for a while it's just like hey man where are you you going my way cool why don't we ride together like all right well that was fun mm-hmm. later man and <laughs> maybe we'll see each other again bye and then you know it just it starts to congeal until like you realize what the actual main plot of the movie is because for a while it just it feels like cowboys hanging out and going yeah going, going places yeah, I mean, after that initial action scene, which yeah. I kind of hate to say is the best action scene of the movie, um, then it kind of settles in and it's kind of low key for a while. It's like, all right, we're just mm-hmm. we're getting to know everybody here. Yeah, but yeah, I, like I said, I I I really liked it. Like, mm-hmm. I will I will watch it again. That's all oh I'm yeah, doing. I would definitely recommend it to anybody, especially anyone who likes westerns. Like, it's like, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, what what are you doing? Yeah, like I said, I can only blame that. I just I've always been disinterested based on the poster slash VHS cover back in the day, just because mm-hmm. it was like, nah, that's, that looks like a thing I would not enjoy, but turns out I did. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Well, is that, is that the end of Silverado cast? Um, <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't I've, have any, uh, I started watching on ESPN. Uh, the last dance started airing. Uh, they put the first two episodes out, which is covering the Chicago bulls. 19, you know, 97, 98 season. Mm-hmm. Somehow they were, they allowed people access to just about everything at that point, which is unheard of really, especially when you've got like Michael Jordan involved. <laughs> it's he's, he's notoriously very, um, very uh, guarded about letting people cover him or do, you know, video or interview or any of that stuff. But uh, it's basically footage from that interspersed with, interviews today with you know him and Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson and basically everyone you could think of who's still alive from that era 
and they go all the way back to him in at UNC in college. So they, and the first episode is basically focuses on Jordan and Jordan becoming, you know, best player in the world pretty much as soon as he enters the NBA, everyone knows it. And then the second episode focuses on Scottie Pippen. And I'm assuming, you know, the other ones, I've, I've read somewhere that basically a lot of them focus on specific people. So there eventually there'll be a Dennis Rodman episode. Eventually there'll be a, a, a Phil Jackson Grant? episode. Huh. <laughs> uh, no, because they, it's weird because they only really care about, you know, they had the three-peat in the early 90s and then they had the three-peat in the late 90s and they're more mm-hmm. focused on that one. Huh. And I, like, I thought it was going to be a lot of, all right, here's Jordan destroying people. You know, like it was just going to be like, here's all this footage of Jordan just fucking owning everybody. And it kind of is, but it's a lot more behind the scenes stuff than I really expected it to be, which was kind of a welcome thing, especially for somebody who, you know, anyone who's watched any of the live streams knows how much of an NBA fan I am because I'm usually wearing a hat from a <laughs> a team, especially when I've got the the mid 90s Warriors hat on right now. So. Yeah, but it is, um, it's really good. And holy shit, the montages in that are phenomenally like, cause it's basically, they're like, all right, here's Jordan's 63 point game against the Celtics in the playoffs. Oh my God. And it's just that... footage of, it's a montage of him just destroying them throughout. But it's, what was, it's set, was to set to run to DMC, really good... I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, you guys know what you're doing here. I and the, to, the other one, this. like the one where it's when he first enters the league and they're just like, all right. And and there's they're taught you know they're interviewing guys from the team and they're like, yeah. After two weeks, we knew who the best player on the team was immediately. And then they cut into the montage of him to uh, Eric B and Rakim. I ain't no joke. And it's like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so good. So, yeah, their montage game is definitely on point for that whole thing. Hey, a sports a sports documentary with not all white people music in it great yeah (laughs) no and it's like and the thing is too like it's you notice it's era appropriate because like the 97 98 one is that um the the biggie puffy one with uh god which one it's like been around the world and it's got the let's david bowie's let's dance but it's like remixed but yeah that's like the footage they show as they're celebrating their championship so it's like okay yeah so yeah, it's just really well put together and it's surprising the interviews that they got with some of these people. So yeah, it's 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 definitely two episodes in, it's definitely worth watching. And this is coming from someone who absolutely hated the Bulls. Absolutely hated them throughout the 90s. Like watching them was like watching Game of Thrones because it was like, all right, maybe the good guys will win this time. Nope, they got their heads fucking chopped off. <laughs> Jordan wins again. He fucking murdered, murdered everyone you liked. They're dead now. Because of Jordan, so. Well, if you liked any other NBA team in the '90s, you fucking hated the Bulls. So, because oh, yeah. they were destroying. That's why I what cannot, six years of the '90s. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, most of it. I I cannot wait until they get to the Magic beating them in the playoffs. Because I was there for those games. I like I've seen Nick. I saw Nick Anderson steal the ball, and it always looks weird to me because our seats were on the other side of the court from the cameras. So whenever I see it the camera footage it's like backwards to me because it's like the oh, way yeah. i saw it jordan was actually i kind of almost couldn't see it because jordan was in the way of nick anderson poking the ball away but all the footage is always from that other side so i'm really i'm curious to see what they do with that if they just gloss over it because they're like no that showed jordan is human so he can't show that but 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Um, I saw another thing. I mean, this is only vaguely related, but I saw like courtside, but like basket, like that basket end and a view of um, end zone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's not an end zone, but the end of the court view of mm-hmm. the shot. Mm. Somebody posted on Twitter not too long ago oh, yeah. that, that that they had just discovered, and that was that was amazing. So I can't like I'm looking forward to seeing what other sort of non-standard footage we get to see out of out of all of that. Um, where did you say that the documentary was available? It's on ESPN currently. It's a joint production between ESPN and Netflix, so I'm not sure if it's on Netflix or if they're waiting until it's done I, before they I put it on think, Netflix. Yeah. I, I don't think it is yet because. They're doing a yeah. weird thing, like they're showing it unedited on ESPN one and a censored version on ESPN two simultaneously. Really? Yes. <laughs> Which I just think is weird. It feels like that. Yeah. If anything, that just, would be backwards. <laughs> I went to I went to the streaming one on the website because oh, okay. if you go to ESPN.com, you can find it, but you I believe you have to have a cable login to be able to get to it. So hmm. steal somebody's cable login and do it that way, I guess. But it's called the Last Dance. But yeah, it is. It's. It is not what I was expecting. I was expecting a whole ton of just NBA footage and kind of going chronologically, and it is not that at all. They're jumping all over, and they, you know, they talk about, you know, the the basically management wanted to dismantle them. I mean, they had the best team in the world, had just set the record for wins, you know, were regarded as the best team ever, and then a year later they're like, yeah, well, these guys are getting old, so we might just blow it up, and maybe see if Jordan sticks around. I don't know, and it's like you fucking idiots. And that's kind of, you can tell that's exactly how the filmmakers were with the footage. They're like, you guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> so, and it's also just really weird to see late nineties footage of Jordan driving around a Corvette. Cause it's like, you are literally the most famous person on earth. Why are you, you driving drive, a Corvette? Why are you driving a Corvette? But I guess he loved him. <laughs> Who knows? But you know, well, I have you a segue. <laughs> yeah, go for it. No, I just, I mean, I've also been watching a TV-ish thing. Um, I decided mm-hmm. in my free time, having finished Seinfeld, uh, I was just flipping through and I was like, oh yeah, there's like two or two and a half seasons of the Grand Tour that I've not watched. Because I kind of, it's it's not that, I, yeah, okay, I forget Prime things exist. Like I have to be reminded Prime things exist. Like I have Prime, but I, you know, it's for shipping purposes. And then every once in a while, mm-hmm. I go, oh yeah, they have like TV and movies sometimes too. Um, oh yeah. So I forgot about it, but like, man, that's just, that's such a fun thing. Like I, the chemistry of those guys, I know we've talked about top gear slash grand tour before, but like every time I go back to it, it just, it's such a relaxing, fun thing just to watch those guys banter and poke at each other. Yeah. It's perhaps feels more scripted now than maybe it used to once upon a time. Um, yeah, that it, would be my only complaint. Yeah, is that it feels really contrived. But, but like, the, but like the thing when is, when you get to the segments, it's yeah, good. Well, the segments are good, and like I will say, I feel like the the filmmaking prowess of the Grand Tour versus Top Gear is unrivaled. Like it's they were good at making little films and making cars look cool and sweeping everything. And you just, I don't know, it's just it, it's it's rare to see filmmaking as good as you see on quote unquote television as you do in the grand tour, it's such a weird thing because every time they just, they'll just go to a place. And unless they're like, as they would say, taking the piss out of whatever place they're going to, it's like, no, you you know, like you might think, you know, going to Azure, Azure by John is like not a place you'd want to go. And they show up and they're like, 
holy shit, this place is amazing. <laughs> like, like, you know, yeah. just like, oh, you know, they're, they're going around the world and showing you, you know, it's not just cars. It's, it's like the world and the people and sometimes making some jokes along the way, sometimes making some off color or inappropriate for the times jokes. But it's like, it's just, it's also, it's like a travel channel that happens to be somewhat focused on cars. It's, it's a, or travel channel, a show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Their goddamn branding has gotten to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a travel show and it happens to f- primarily feature cars and just some magnificent cinematography and uh, editing and things. It's just, it, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of bizarre. Like I said, it's like every episode is almost like a cinematic experience. Yeah. Well, they were getting really good. Um, the last season of um, Top Gear um, and the last season of Top Gear is the last season where they had um, Jeremy Clarkson and the other guys, Richard Hammond. Mm-hmm. And I almost said Brian May. I don't know why. Um, James, James but, May. Yeah. Um, James May. Um, so that's the last season of Top Gear. I know they've made other seasons, but none of them count. Um, but um, they were getting really good mm-hmm. with like, and they had always like had a, um, really nice footage really well edited but the production value going from top gear to um amazon and i think it's just because they can spend the money like with amazon has a little bit of money (laughs) yeah a little bit just a little Um, yeah and going from the bbc where like they were pretty well funded um top gear was but still they didn't have just like the hundreds of millions or whatever to throw at something like like amazon does but um yeah yeah it's it's good i kind of stopped watching it i kind of fell off a, a while ago i think i need to take them in small bites like you know maybe one or two a month because the contrivance kind of bothers me um i mean it sucks but, now that you've learned some of their bags of tricks for jokes that you just pick up on them right away like whenever yeah. there's anything painted on a, a a door or something that can separate, you're like, all right, what side says what? <laughs> what side says the other thing? You know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Just you know, you're constantly looking for that because they they pulled that joke once too many. But yeah, even I I just I appreciate their dedication to just making an entire program about a really 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 dumb concept. Like they just they're probably their most artful yet stupid and weird episode they ever did was like they got three RVs and went driving around the Southwest of America. And I don't know if you made it that far, but it's like, it's this entire episode. That's just basically a short film or an hour long film. Like they only cut to the tent. I think at the beginning and the end, maybe once in the middle for a hot minute, but it's like one of those where it's just like, it's basically a special where it's almost all location based, dumb, dumb acidry. And it's just, that one's just crazy. Cause it's like, they go to this like weird level of like almost like Oliver Stone's The Doors-esque filmmaking from time to time with like weirdness in the desert and stuff. And it's just like, mm-hmm. why are you doing this for this dumb concept where they're obviously miserable driving fucking RVs in the desert with broken air conditionings and stuff that you're then making them wreck more. So that, you know, that's almost every episode. It's like, we we took a half you know working car and now we're going to take it to the worst climate and by the end just totally fuck it up. <laughs> you know? So, but it's still entertaining. So. But that's, I mean, that's kind of the, top gear spirit is mm-hmm. to just do a really ridiculous thing with a car yep. and then intersperse, you know, a segment of a quarter of a million dollar sports car going around a track. 
Yeah, with some really pretty music and <laughs> or yeah. electronic music and some really cool shots and lights and stuff. I mean, that footage that's in the Forza games, it's lifted straight from Top Gear. I mean, it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to get yep. people to voiceover. Like, whenever it cut to film, that was Top Gear segments about whatever car. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, it's it's fun stuff, but... Are you, the just, grand you, were mentioning, you were mentioning cars and you to jump on the yeah. uh, like I I think I, I've realized now that I have uh, an emotional trigger. I, I realize like anytime you, you talk about space shit, especially classic like daring fucking crazy astronaut time mm-hmm. period, the Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong era, like I just yeah. immediately start almost fucking weeping because it's like, you know, <laughs> the, the very dictionary definition of awesome is what those people were doing. You know, like, yeah, yes. yeah like, I mean, and we just we've we've never come back to that kind of like selfless. Let's fucking do this. You know, like we're all together kind of thing for a while. I mean, we you know, we've had some small triumphs, but, you know, and we are doing cool shit now. I'm not I'm not knocking what we're doing now, but like yeah. that we're also like it's it's much more of a calculated risk now. It's not risk. It's not riskless. It's just like that was that was some cowboy shit. That was like that was weird. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that was crazy. Like, I don't know if this is going to fucking work, but whatever. Let's do it kind of attitude. You know, like it's kind of like the professional. Hey, y'all, watch this, <laughs> um, right? But they were talking about like ever, almost every single astronaut drove a Corvette because like Chevrolet actually did, they did this whole segment about it's it was like this whole history of Apollo Eleven and stuff and talking about the astronauts with their Corvettes. But they were saying that like Chevrolet basically did this thing where because they were technically government employees, you couldn't gift them things. But like there was they through some local car dealership close to Cape Canaveral, they basically said, we will lease you a Corvette for one dollar. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so basically gave them all Corvettes. So, you know, of course, they were speed junkies and crazy people. So it was like, you know, there's a section where James May got to drive Neil Armstrong's Corvette. Like, is that like, what they had? Oh, that's cool as shit. Didn't yeah. that show up in like Apollo 13 or something? Because I know what I've the, seen that somewhere. Possibly. In like yeah. Some sort of TV show or movie or I something. Think- I think they one of them drove a, drove their Corvette around. It might have been in from Earth to the Apollo Moon. Apollo thirteen. I had a little more room to breathe <laughs> to talk about yeah, dumb I, shit like I that. I just I remember the one dollar lease thing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was point. just like Chevrolet came up with this workaround. It's like we'll just give them Corvettes mm-hmm. for a dollar. <laughs> not yeah. a gift. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, enough about cars and shit. I watched some other dumb things. Uh, I don't think I'm going to wait for Chuck to come back to do the Star Trek thing, but I, I I'll save that. <laughs> towards the end so you can tune out if you want to <laughs> uh, um, I watched okay, whenever you start talking i tune out oh sure sure but i, I did watch a couple other movies and um they're going to be the very mediocre opinion movie uh corner here um uh, i'll start with the most negative or the least like meh, of them i decided to watch that new movie called downhill it's got will will ferrell and julia louis yeah. dreyfus um wow what a what an unfunny, unfun thing! <laughs> like, mm. like it's built as like a, a comedy, but it's it's like the anti rom com. It's like the edge of divorce com. <laughs> you know, it's it's like we're we're saying we're one we're that couple that's like one saying or doing one thing that's one step away from divorcing comedy that's not funny at all. <laughs> like, that doesn't sound fun. No, it's not. Like there's there's a potentially horrific thing that happens, and you know, is the. I mean, this is a remake, I believe, of a possibly a Swedish movie, I think. Because, I mean, I think the whole thing takes place somewhere in Scandinavia. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm Force saying it wrong. Force Majeure. Force Majeure is the, is the original yeah. movie. And maybe that one is more subtle. This one is just, like, vicious and, like, yeah, we just kind of fucking hate each other. And we're not sure. Like, we're... It's one of those where there's not even... There's obviously something that's wrong. But then they're both being horrible, kind of. So you can't even say, like, mm-hmm. well, he did the shitty thing or she did the shitty thing. It's kind of like, you're both 
kind of being shitty. So why am I here? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Also, it's about skiing, which you, know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can. I love Better Off Dead. It's not like you put skiing in it. I'm like fuck you. But I mean, like you have to make a good movie too. It's just skiing as a just. It feels like sort of like the version of uh, Grown Ups, where it's like, yeah, let's go make a movie in uh in colorado yeah and uh, in a ski lodge sure yeah or maybe in the alps i don't know where the fuck they actually filmed this but it just feels like let's go film Mm -hmm. this movie so we have a three-month vacation in whatever nice place to ski all the time yeah and we're like a really depressing movie that's unfortunately i think co-written maybe co-directed by with by jim rash yeah both yeah yeah it just i don't know it's it's super unfunny and just depressing really I mean, it's got a couple of, like, couples retreat level, like, ha awkward? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's funny. It's just awkward. Yeah. Moment. So what do you think the motivation was for making it? I literally think it's like, let's have a free ski vacation. Really? <laughs> like, honestly, that's what it feels like, because they sure shit. I mean, unless they were just like, this is, this is very personal. I went through, like, my parents being divorced, and they were should have gotten a divorce earlier <laughs> like i don't mm-hmm. know it's like some cathartic thing because it was like not fun to watch anyway i don't know what i don't know much more like why the hell do they make this note i just also decided to watch the the uh the new um fantasy island the horror oh, version the horror of one. fantasy island ah <sighs> i think i'm just gonna read my letterbox review because i don't think i can do better <laughs> okay <laughs> this is one of those movies where you go why but ends up as something mostly competent. But then it actually ends, and you swing back hard to the original question asked. Because <laughs> it's one of those things, like, as it's happening, I was like, why? Why did, Why well, this? Like, why did you make this like this? I and- think somebody on our uh, Discord was basically like, all right, I'm going to spoil this. You know, they put spoiler tags on it, mm-hmm. but it was just like, and, I, and I'm reading it going, that's really dumb. That's actually extra dumb. Like that actually, if you look at the premise of the movie, that doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Dumb. It's one of those that makes sense while you're watching it. <laughs> and like I said, it's a semi-competently made movie, like not horribly made. You know, I mean, it's a Blumhouse thing. It's they're now have a level of some of their earlier things were sketchy, you know, but like they have a mm-hmm. they have a formula and a look now to their stuff mostly. But you're watching it and just like the more it's going on, you're just like why this is happening <laughs> like why did anyone make this <laughs> why you do this yeah i mean it's it, like i said it's not to say it's bad it's just you just circle back around to why and then you're like i don't have a good answer so therefore mm. i can ignore this like not to say it's bad really it's dumb like the premise is dumb but it it works in the world they've created sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm sure there's some questions you could go like huh by the end, I was just like, yeah, I'm back to it. I don't know why. Like, Michael Pena is fine as Mr. Work, you know. <laughs> but it's just weird. <laughs> it's a weird yeah. thing that didn't need to exist. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, at least Blumhouse got, let somebody make a movie again. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, oh, that's their thing. Like, it seems like, all right, they can make a movie cheap enough that let the person do it. Yeah, I mean, this but, is just one of those weird ones. Like, did you just get the rights for cheap? And you're like, that's the thing is like, you, you just go back to like, did you just get the rights because you're going to suck some people in? You know, because the, then you can start to be angry, yeah. kind of like, I don't know. I don't ever know who these things are for. Like, why would you do something 
this weird and off brand of the original thing. And then I don't know who you're appealing to. I guess it works every once in a while. I think every once in a while there's a weird, like, cause then they, I, I haven't seen it, but don't people actually like the weird version of the, cause there's like a horror movie. That's not five nights at Freddy's. It's the showbiz things or something like it's basically five nights at oh. Freddy's, but they, they like, it's the yeah, Chuck E. Cheese and showbiz fucking explosion, whatever it is. The, the rock thing. of fire explosion. Yeah. Fire explosion. Like, didn't they make a, a horror movie based on that or something like that? Or they made or, a documentary that was horrifying, but oh no, no. What I'm thinking of, it's like, it's one of the old fucking splits. Yes, that's it. I was about to say it's all yeah. on the Sid and Marty Croft. Thanks things. to, uh, sorry, Shen something in the chat. I can't see that from that. Yeah, far away. I, I'm sorry. Yes, it was. Yes, I was Sid and Marty Croft thing. But yes, they were just like, let's make a horror version of that. Which, yeah, okay, if, you know, like that's the same reason we got like horror movie clowns because people are like, that shit's supposed to be for kids and it's horrifying. Let's make a horror movie about it. But, so maybe they were terrified by fucking banana splits, but you know, maybe make that shit when they were relevant. You know. <laughs> 25, mm-hmm. 30 years later, it's sort of like, wow, how long you've been carrying this, you know, half baked idea around in your head, <laughs> like this childhood trauma that you just like, I must make this eventually because <laughs> those fuckers gave me nightmares. I don't know. This feels like in the same vein of just like, all right, sure. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine there's any people that are just like out protesting, like, this is not my fantasy island. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone gives enough of a shit about fantasy island. To, like, yeah. Get offended. But like I said, if you're, if you're somehow ripping this name of this half forgotten thing from time to remake it, why make a weird horror movie? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's strange. I'm going to stop asking. I mean, and try Bud it's dry. basically everything they do a horror movie. Because it sure well, looks I mean, like it. Looking upgrade, arguably not a horror kind of a horror movie, not a horror movie. You know. Yeah, and I guess they put out Black Klansmen and Glass, so it's kind of like mm, and the Purge movies. So I don't know. And Benji, yeah. well, apparently, go figure. But <laughs> Benji, <laughs> did you say Benji? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. But it's the grim and gritty reboot of Benji. <laughs> Revengey. Yes. It's actually just Cujo, but they did Benji, <laughs> but, but a much smaller dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I mean, it's like whenever you hear Blumhouse, you immediately think, okay, what, what is the horror through line of whatever movie this is? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's just like I said, when they make things like this, I, I, I got me. I was one of the people who was like, I have to see what this is. I really don't give two shits about fantasy Island, but I have seen it. I grew up when it was on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I watched mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's that's in of like the mediocre corner. The only thing I have, I have left is the stars stars trek, which, like I said, I guess I'm, I'll, I'll I'll talk about them because Chuck ain't here. <laughs> I can't wait forever for you, Chuck. I wanted to have a debate, just, debate me, but you're not here. I'll just sit here and nod or shake my head or something. Yeah. So, do you have a ranking? Uh, I could do that. I mean, obviously, Wrath of Khan is going to be number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really, there can't be any contenders otherwise, right? No. I mean, the closest for me, and it's not even super close, is six, Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would probably go with, and it's going to be, this is where it starts getting controversial. Then I would go first contact, because I think, mm-hmm. I still think that's the best next generation movie. Um, then I would probably go uh, for a voyage home, the whale one, if you prefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, then probably three, search for Spock. 
this is where I'm going to, this is where people really hate me. I'm actually going to go with insurrection next. <laughs> not, I know a lot of people hate that one, but I, I've, I have I, I have more I have, hates I, that one. I have more deeper takes on all these if you want to. So I'm just doing no, but that, so that's your Star Trek five. Like Chuck loves Star Trek five for whatever fucking reason. Contrarianism. Like, yeah, yeah. But it, but insurrection no, is that your five? Nemesis, no, no, no. Nemesis, Nemesis the one is, is like universally hated in the next generation. Okay. Movie. Insurrection is the one that was like that's a fucking boring one. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. Like, all right, I'll, I'll circle back around and I'll explain myself a little better, but let me finish okay. the ranking. Um, then I would probably go who I have left. I think this is where I would go with the original number one. Yeah. And uh, you also have generations. left. Yeah, then I would go generations and uh, nemesis. Then, then nemesis and then five. That That's how it goes. So five is dead last. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Never, okay. never will Good. change. That never will change. <laughs> all right. Deeper thoughts on each one. Um, okay. Okay. Starting with one because that's how I just watched them in order. That's all I did. Uh, I think the thing that I most appreciate about one is their attempt to just, you know, Star Wars had come. I know they were probably already in production because it's like two years later, and I'd have to imagine they were already well in motion of making this movie. Um, but like, I appreciate that like they just went to the 2001 playbook of this is how you make a sci-fi movie, except that the movie's what 11 years newer. By the time it came out and everything looks a hundred percent worse. Like I, this, I know people will argue and I know that there were some like behind the scenes budget cuts and rushing and things like that. And all, all of that, you know, start star Wars, making a billion dollars, get your fucking movie out kind of basically. Um, but it just means that what they put out was not great. <laughs> like it's, I, I totally appreciate the fact that like what they were going for, but there is literally a sequence in it. That is a shuttle ride to the enterprise. That is five minutes long. I timed it. I looked it's five minutes long of Kirk and McCoy riding in a fucking shuttlecraft as it just circles around the enterprise. And it's like, I am super happy that you either rebuilt or dug out the miniature and, and are now filming it in fucking CinemaScope. I don't need five goddamn minutes of hero shot. Like the first ton- 10 seconds was like, fuck yeah, it's the enterprise and big screen. Jerry Goldsmith mu- music is a sweep and let's do this. And then it just keeps fucking going. <laughs> you know, I will say do you think it like, it's like, do you think it's like they watched 2001 before we're not? And they're like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we yeah. need that kind of pacing. All of this needs to take a really long time. Show the entire docking sequence, you know, and you know, not the fun kind. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just too dull. Like I, I appreciate the aesthetics and the fact that they were going for models because I'm about to, I'm going to glorify models later in this list too. Um, and the other thing I, I, I love is like they kind of ditched the original series was always kind of like, you know, space pirate, you know, leisure wear kind of, you know, they were just like, mm-hmm. they were wearing, you know, bell bottom, like naval pants and, you know, swashbuckly looking shirts and stuff, stuff. Yeah. But like this one is just like, fuck it. We're just like retro, you know, speed suiting here. These are just like laser shoot suits and shit. Like everyone's just got these like low V cut necks and stuff. It's just, it's, it's kind of fucking great men and women, you know, like it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's, I, I, I like, I, I like so much and I, I've always circled around to this. Like, I love the fact that like, it's trying to just be the sweeping thing and, and be the serious space thing that star Wars clearly wasn't. You know, or it's just like, no, this is got to go, go, go. Like we're gonna have good music and stuff, but this has got to fucking move. This one just doesn't fucking work because the effects are bad and rushed and all that. So mm-hmm. anyway, I two. Do I have to say anything? We've we've talked about Wrath of Khan. People know Wrath of Khan. We talked about Wrath of Khan be- before Wrath we saw it into darkness. You know, so Khan. 
it's never like heard a good, of them. it's it's a good sub versus sub movie yeah. like submarine versus mm-hmm. submarine movie is really what it is yeah yeah i mean it two's great like i mean i just don't feel like i have to say anything more about two yeah it's it's the best mm-hmm. um three i i personally have given three a very bad rap over the years uh it's it's solid like it's a really good continuation of two it's not the subwarfare part of two it's the other stuff continued on but it's mm-hmm. it just picks right up and it's just like yeah remember the how we ended two like now we're gonna undo and explain what you probably thought was gonna happen anyway but here's a movie about it see yeah. i gotta say what i love about the star trek movies is in the beginning of two i believe it's bones is given uh giving Kirk like a bottle of liquor or something. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're not getting any younger. We're pretty old. Yes. Still doing this. And then those motherfuckers made four more movies after that. <laughs> yes. That, well, that's actually about to come up because yes, they, yeah. it's, it's definitely going to come up in part of this thing here. But mm-hmm. anyway, three's just three's much better than I thought. Like I, I now rank it much higher in the list than I would have. Um, four is one of those things. That's another thing I don't have to talk about a lot because it's the one most even non-Star Trek people have seen. It's yep. the most like popular, friendly one. They travel back in time, um, but yeah, it, it's just it's one of those things where it's it feels like a thing that shouldn't work because you know you usually do the fantastical fish fish out of water thing because you're trying to cut budget. And this movie is just like, no, we did that because that's the story we wanted to tell. Like we used to do that on the old series. We're just going to make it bigger and not like you know on a soundstage in the back lot of Paramount. Mm-hmm. You know, like like they they were before. We're going to make a real movie in San Francisco and stuff, and it's just like the comedy of that movie nails it. Like it's just it's solid beats and comedy timing throughout that entire movie. Um, my two my two favorite bits are like basically what a lot of the people we don't understand how cursing works because we don't do that anymore but one of the first examples is them just blatantly walking out in the middle of the street to which of course the i don't know why they're in san francisco but the cabbie stops and is just like hey you know it's like this new york cabbie that's in san francisco honks the army he's like what are you doing you dumbass and kirk just looks at him and goes yeah well double dumbass to you (laughs) it's just i don't know why his delivery of that is just really solid Mm -hmm. and my other favorite line delivery is in the in the hospital shenanigans towards the end of the movie they're just you know they're trying to do the doctors in disguise thing sneaking someone out of the hospital classic bit um but bones is just walking down the hallway and sees some lady that's just moaning and and he's like what's wrong with you and she's like i'm on dialysis and he's like dialysis you know (laughs) this is spanish inquisition here take one of these and hands her a pill and just walks off and then as the shenanigans start happening of course when they about get discovered you know trying to sneak someone out of the hospital just off of the sort of in the background like not the primary thing of focus, she's just being wheeled down the hallway and she's just screaming at the top of her lungs. Doc gave me a pill and I grew a new kidney. <laughs> just, <laughs> and all the doctors are walking around like, yeah, new kidney. I don't know. It's fucking weird. <laughs> but like, those are my two favorite bits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Star Trek force. Great. <laughs> no good, but not five. I wrote first wrote light. It's still bad. It's almost incalculable how ba- how many ways I dislike this movie, but let me try. Since one, these have all been I'm too old for this shit mentality. Suddenly in this one, they're all acting like people 30 years younger. younger. Kirk goes fucking free soloing on like one of the hardest to climb mountains on the face of the earth. Possibly the hardest to do free. I mean, he's fucking climbing El Capitan, for, you know, free climbing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, like Uhura is like nearly 60 years old and does her sexy dance distract the guards thing. <laughs> It's just 
this is so weird. Like, this just feels like somebody's fucking Star Trek fan script that they dusted off in 1973. And they're like, All right, what have you made movies? <laughs> Everything like everyone does in this movie is so against type. Um, there is literally, there is literally a joke that Scotty goes, ah, don't worry. I know the ship like the back of my head turns around and goes conk into a fucking beam and knocks himself out to the, to the point that he gets so knocked out. He gets captured. <laughs> like that is the level of shit that is happening in this movie. Of just like your fucking lead engineer conks his head on a beam, knocks himself out and gets captured. It, it's just so fucking stupid. I hate five. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. And that's why Chuck loves it. Uh huh. I mean, what, the only thing that like gives me like a little bit of comfort is reading that like you know they were really trying to cash Sean Connery as Spock's long lost brother Cybok, you know the jovial Vulcan, okay. <laughs> you know the one who has embraced emotions instead of you know and is mm-hmm. then on this quest to find God. I I don't know that it would made the movie good because I think the script is horrendous, but like at least it would have been like a fun train wreck where you know yeah. you get this over the top performance by Connery like on top of it. Yeah. Hmm. My, my last the other thing like i know this is now about to go like maybe maybe i'm wrong about star trek 5 for me it it I, I dislike it in the way that i dislike batman returns and i know i'm talking to two batman returns defenders here but for me the motivations and, and or the slash the portrayals of these characters are so against their type that it's just like i can't it's the where I become the pedantic, like, but that's not what so-and-so would do. Like, it's just, it's too far. Like, I, I'm generally okay with, like, interpreting a character in a different way, but, like, mm-hmm. what Batman Returns does to certain characters, including Batman just joyfully dropping a motherfucker with a bomb down a hole to let him explode. <laughs> you know, like, the whole yeah. Batman doesn't kill people except he just fucking blew somebody up here. <laughs> like, directly. You could argue he blew people up when he exploded the fucking factory in the first one. But this yes. was a directly like, I'm going to kick you down a fucking sewer vent <laughs> and let you explode kind of murder thing. Um, but like, yeah, in Star Trek five, Kirk just like is in a bar fight and there's like literally a cat lady. And I mean, like she's like, like looks like an early prototype for the movie cats, cat lady, like with a tail and a whole body fur and everything. And he just fucking murders her like in a, in a bar fight for no reason. <laughs> it's just like, Okay, that's usually the Sweet. kind of thing you'd be trying to fuck, but you just murdered it. <laughs> like, you know, it's, I don't know. I hate it. I hate five. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, you murder everybody because they have a they have this dumb like it's pool. It's like a pool table except it's got water on it, so the balls move like real weird and fluidy. And then he murders her by throwing into that. Like it's basically like aqua pool, pool pool. <laughs> but okay. yeah, he, he murders her by throwing pool her into like yeah, yeah, to pool billiards and. uh yeah, so it's just like, oh, water murdered her, I guess. <laughs> My one weakness. Let me work all day next to a fucking water table. Um, it's It sucks. But, yeah. Anyway, back to positive ones. Uh, Star Trek VI. Uh, I, this is one of those ones that I, I recommend, like, never, ever reading behind-the-scenes stuff on this movie because it kind of, I feel like, detracts from what I think is what I ranked the second-best Star Trek movie because apparently there was a lot of... Uh, finger pointing and I don't want to do this and I don't want to say this and I wouldn't be the person that says this. I want to do this, you know, power play bullshit behind the scenes by actors and things. Some of them mm-hmm. possibly possibly warranted. It, it, I'll, I'll get to that, but I, just what I, I, I just saying, don't read that. <laughs> it's just one of those things that makes you like, okay. I feel like view the movie in a different light because I, I kind of adore this movie because the whole thing is an allegory about the fall of the Soviet Union 
uh, you know, Klingons basically have their version of a Chernobyl, and they're like, ah, for kind of fucked, we need to ask for help. Like, it's not traditionally what we do, but we kind of need help. And some people are like, no, you know, Klingons first, make, you know, whatever, uh, fuck, name of the whole world on my head. I'm, I'm going to have to lose my Star Trek card. Um, but anyway. Klingonia. <laughs> yes, Klingonia. Um, Kronos. I think it's Kronos. Kronos, yeah. Not spelled like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're making Greek war references. Uh, yeah, anyway, they're just like, it, it's basically all about that. And my favorite thing about it, and obviously it's something that Quentin Tarantino also appreciates, is that I forgot exactly how much um, idioms they misattribute in this movie. You know, he opens Kill Bill with the your revenge is the dish best served cold, an ancient Klingon proverb, you know, and that's literally said in this movie, you know, like mm-hmm. you're forgetting about the ancient Klingon proverb, revenge is the dish best served cold or um, Spock quoting more or less the uh, the Sherlock Holmes slash Occam's razor, you know, when you remove all that's plausible, however improbable it must be true kind of thing. He basically is like, yeah, my ancient Vulcan cousin or <laughs> ancestor said this or whatever. It's just, it's constantly. And then like, you know, you haven't lived till you've read Shakespeare in the original Klingon. <laughs> you know, there's, constantly saying things like that and it's just all throughout this movie and it's for some reason it just totally works in this dumb movie for some reason yeah also he's like you know forget the ancient Vulcan proverb if only Nixon could go to China (laughs) just dumb things like that that just are played so completely straight faced that they absolutely work for me so I don't know I like six forget all the stupid like you know behind the scenes stuff uh seven all right so seven is the other one chuck that's his other place where he's wrong because <laughs> oh my claims, god how many star treks are there jesus there, there are 10 and the last ten. of them are about to be much shorter seven is the other one where i feel chuck's a little contrarian generations I, generations yes i i he claims it's the only good next generation movie which okay but <laughs> i've realized now everything that's wrong with generations to me is in the direction i think this had a bad director like this was a director that shouldn't have been doing this movie um they made dumb choices like to naturally light the interiors of the enterprise through everywhere, you know, like nothing in the enterprise. Like it's like they forgot to pay their power bill. It's just like, Oh, the only lights coming in from the sun that we're parked next to, or it's the light coming off the warp core. It's just all dark and weird and stupid. And I get that they were like, we don't want to make it just look like the show, but you should have. And thankfully they did for the rest of the movies going forward. Um, but the thing about it, like, Every, like I, I don't hate the story like going back like I thought I did it's just everything about it is in the direction of this movie but the model work I think this is like might be the, like the last one they were like solely reliant on models for most of their stuff because the model work in this is like some of the best model work I've ever seen like the intricate really? de- details and stuff it's it's stunning in that in that capacity so it's had a horrible actual director must have had a fantastic second unit director <laughs> because whoever did the model work is damn good but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Just I don't dislike Generations as much as I once did, but it's still it fails because of the directing. Uh, First Contact, that's the other one I think most people have seen. It's, you know, Next Generation versus the Borg movie. Um, that's, yeah. That was the other it's kind the of action movie. Yeah, it's basically the action movie. It's the other one like most people have seen. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I still think it's the, that's the best Next Generation movie. I, I, I know people are like they just turn it into an action movie and maybe Picard's motivations get a little wonky but i don't know i it works for me because it's as someone correctly points out it's basically a moby dick thing like the borg turned him into a borg and he you know has to he he's following revenge despite him thinking he's better than that and then just has to like come to terms with that you know so it's good to me and 
Goldsmith is weird because like his involvement in the Star Trek movies like skips <laughs> around. Like he was, wouldn't do one because like they cut the budget or it was like he just didn't like the script or whatever. But it's like his involvement in them is like comes and goes throughout all this. But he's back for first contact and kicks ass. Like that score is amazing. Like it's one of those like few times where I was just like, oh, I can't help but pay attention to the score. It's really good right now. Like as this action scene is happening. But uh, almost done. Almost done. I promise. Uh, insurrection. That's the that's the one everyone calls the boring one. Um, this is the one I probably want to talk about the most, only because it it's not necessarily just about Star Trek, but it's 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 weird because we personally and I I thought the world had kind of come to this consensus. Uh, maybe but maybe it's just me wishing our thoughts upon the world. We have constantly said in regards to Marvel movies, every other thing that's like long in the tooth, you don't have to constantly one up yourself. Like every once in a while, mm-hmm. just scale back and make a smaller movie, you know, do the Ant-Man do the, like, this is personal stakes for him. It's not world ending consequences. If it, if he doesn't win, it's just real bad for him personally. And we're okay with those, like step down, do less movies because you can't you know mm-hmm. you can't just keep one upping yourself i mean search for spock is a perfect example winding down from the you know the bigness of wrath of khan you know it's it's the same kind of thing and i feel like insurrection is the same thing it's like you can't try to top the action stuff you were doing in first contact so just make a real solid episode of the tv show and there's nothing wrong with that you know make a 90 minute version of the tv show that's just about some you know personal stakes i mean it's almost a western you know because it's it's these people live on this planet that basically has something that people want. They're trying to forcefully relocate them, you know, and they're like, no, we're not doing that. That ain't right. <laughs> and so it's basically kind of the Western mentality, you know, just with pee pews and stuff. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like I've, I've also just joined in that chorus of like insurrection is boring, but it's fine. Like I, it's, it's a good movie. Like it, to me, there's just nothing wrong with scaling down a sequel especially when you had like one of the biggest craziest action ones in the previous one. So, and finally we come to nemesis, probably mm-hmm. what most people will actually say is the worst Star Trek movie period. Like forgetting five even exists. I don't know why this is the, this is the last next generation one. This is the one where they do the Picard clone with that's Tom Hardy. Um, this was like the yeah. weird thing where Tom Hardy briefly appeared in mainstream and then disappeared for a few years and then came back with like Bronson and all those kinds of things and inception and whatnot. And then people were like, Hey, Tom Hardy. Uh, but this was his first attempt where it didn't go so well. Uh, I don't know. I, it's easily, like I was just saying, it's the easily or the worst of the next generation movies, despite the fact that I don't really like generations, but it's not as bad as I remember. Like i I feel like there's, there's some extremely questionable choices that they make along the way because there's, there's a plot device that it's I know this is like this is going to sound like things, one of those things where you, as soon as you say it, you're like that's enough for me to say this movie sucks. There's basically a point where counselor Troy gets mind raped. You might as well say like someone is like she's she's getting down with uh, her new husband Riker because they finally get married in the beginning of this one mm-hmm. um, and someone like enters her mind mid coitus you know using psychic powers and then it's like it's treated like she was raped which sure yes i mean it is a extreme violation of one's personal nature except this is i mean it's bad i feel like it's it's a bad contrivance of a plot device however it is for the time and what it is it's handled kind of well because she does kind of get to get revenge 
<laughs> directly. Okay. Um, it's a it's a dumb plot point of how she does it again, but it's it's one of those like I feel like in, in a lesser movie, which granted this one's already pretty low, you would have just used that as a plot device and then just been like, yeah, well that happened, sucks for you, and then like you know the hero of the movie comes along and be like, you shouldn't have done that, blam. But like she gets some mm. direct intervention, revengeing, <laughs> you know, of in this movie, so it kind yeah. of ends up being sort of okay, even though stop using that as a plot device, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not, it's not as bad as I thought it was. I, I mean, I, I, at the end, for some reason I ranked, I said, I guess this one would be number eight out of my top 10. What did I say was worse? I actually, I think, I think I, I you flipped, said five I, was worse. I think I flipped. Well, I know five is worse, but I think I've, I think I flipped flopped where its position and, and motion and the original one were, from or in my head mm-hmm. doesn't matter they're they're around there towards the bottom for me but yeah it's it's one of those it's not as bad as i remember but i can't also i don't argue with anyone that doesn't like it at the same time i just think mm-hmm. if you if you really think this one's worse than five check it again check check the math <laughs> it's it's not it's bad it's just not as check bad. your figures yeah <laughs> i don't know I just that that one's like this one's shot better, you know, it's made better. So at, at the very least, technically it's a better movie just mm-hmm. from the fact that like there's some really bad editing in 5. I mean, it's it's a it's a goof from the IMDb, but it's so visible that it's like one of those early ones that like started the movement of pointing out film goofs because it's just so like how the fuck could I not notice that, you know, if I mm-hmm. have eyes because like there's a point where Spock's rocket boots, he saves Captain Kirk from like falling down an elevator shaft and they're flying up and it's just like the numbers are like 32 45 57 as they're like going up and then it's like 32 45 57 so they're just like circling like the same three or four floors just over and over and over again and they're they're giant fucking like stenciled impact font things behind them so it's like if you have eyes and are looking it's a big film flub you know like it's a yeah it's a it's a it's a big one yeah it's clearly there but i don't know they're both bad and i'm now i'm done I'm sorry for talking about Star Trek without Chuck. But no, you should just you shouldn't be sorry for talking about Star Trek without Chuck. You should just be for just talking sorry. About... Yeah, sorry for talking about Star Trek in period. Okay. In general. I'll accept that. Yeah. I mean, they are the movies. I mean, generally I'll regarded... hold off on watching all of them. Generally Maybe regarded I'll watch as the new the... 3. Yeah. Uh, you should watch the new 3. But I mean, even amongst Star Trek people, like you can I think you can watch the movies and it doesn't make you that much of a nerd. Like they're like the this is accessible. Like you don't need to know all the minutia. Just come on an adventure for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. two hours. Like it'll be fine. Gateway <laughs> Not a few laughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there were only like what three seasons of the original show. Yes, three and probably shouldn't have happened. Three was it was resurrected, but it had like a half the budget, which was a nothing budget anyway. Yeah. So three, three is there's a couple of solid okay episodes, and I won't say solid. There's a couple of okay episodes in it. Most of it is like. When you think of the cardboard sets and like the the whole thing shaking when you supposedly you're getting shot at, like that's the that's the stuff they're showing you because it was like they took their budget all the way away. <laughs> yeah, and Next Generation had like six or seven, uh, seven seasons, right? Yeah, all Star Trek besides the original had seven, except for uh, Enterprise, which got canceled after it got four, I think. But and that's not counting new new stuff. But like it was weird because like Next Generation, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine all went seven seasons. Like it was some contractual i mean i know you have to get to 100 seasons to get syndication yeah. or 100 episodes. But you get to 100 around five around the fifth season right so. yeah so but it just it just seemed weird they were like nope seven up ep- seven seasons and you're done that's that's what we do here at star trek world yeah. <laughs> so 
Eh, but yeah, I, I guess I guess Enterprise under underperformed so much that they were just like, nah, four's enough and you're good. Like get out. Because <laughs> four was like they they knew at the beginning of four that was their last season because it was clear that they took every idea they had for the next what they thought were probably gonna be four seasons and put it in one season because they were just like, here's all the shit that we were planning to slowly say, like, how do you get from what we know Klingons look like in next generation and we decided to use in this to the guys with really bad eyebrows and stuff and you know, the old series and, and bad, you know, face paint, mm-hmm. you know, like they actually explain that. Like they're, they, they come up with a retcon story explanation for why they look different in that time period. And it makes sense okay. and works. It's weird. And the one that's on CBS now, mm-hmm. two, there's two. Oh, there's they have Star, two. Tri- well, they have Star Trek the discovery Picard and Picard. One, yeah. Yeah. So when is the CBS, the discovery one, when is that set? Uh, I believe Discovery is after the Enterprise. No, I think it's like actually after Enterprise, but before the original series Enterprise. Like, I know it's, it's so stupid that they called that for that one show Enterprise because it makes it confusing. But Enterprise so it's is still like, a prequel. Enterprise, the Star Trek colon Enterprise is about the first space vessel named Enterprise, not counting the space shuttle. Um, the first, okay. like you know warp capable one it's like they mm-hmm. barely have a warp drive they're going out for the first time like oh let's see what's out here so you know it's a definite prequel to the original series except that they had okay. more modern looking tech because the, <laughs> they had a budget but yeah they that towards the end they had basically go like oh shit we've been using all the same makeup effects we have for everybody and that doesn't explain how it looks shitty in the original series so use this last season to come up with a storyline go mm-hmm. <laughs> weird it's good though like it's a really good season of television Mostly made better by Jeffrey Combs being on almost all the episodes in the last season. He's really good on that show. Yeah. But yeah, that's enough. Now I'm done with the Star Trek, but you asked me. You asked it's me. fine, man. Yeah, I, Discovery, I, I I can't get into Discovery. I've tried. I watched all of Picard, but I cannot get into Discovery. I've tried twice. There's just something mm. very off-putting about that cast. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, it doesn't gel, like, at all. I'm like, I mm. can't find anyone to identify with or care about <laughs> at all. <laughs> Maybe it gets, I heard it gets better, but it'd have to. Yeah. Can only go up, right? So BJ, you got anything else? No, I don't have anything else. I think we're about to wrap it up. Me? All right. I think that's all the dumb shit I watched. Sorry to have watched so much dumb shit. Nah, I'm sure the rest of us will watch some dumb shit between this week and next. Maybe we'll have Chuck on next week. I don't know. Maybe. We might get a little chuckle. Yeah, we hope. So, during the weeks, afternoons and evenings, BJ and I have both been streaming video games. Yep, uh, on twitch.tv slash net. So, when we're not watching movies or TV shows or documentaries about old basketball teams, we're probably doing that. So, check it out. Yeah. Mackie's doing, like, mornings. I'm doing evenings. So, um, we don't have a set schedule because we don't want to do that to ourselves, but... We will be there on the internet making yeah, keep an eye on video Twitter. game noises. Yeah. Or follow, get on our Discord. We have we have, have talky chats in there. You mm-hmm. can get in some arguments directly with us. Tell us how yeah. much we're stupid about Star Trek movies. Fight me. Or more interesting things. Come to the Discord in 20 minutes if you want an ass kicking. Yeah. But yeah, we're nice. at bmfcast.com. There, there's links to join all of our social things, but try, try the Discord. You might like it. <laughs> It's something to do. We're we're either we're locked in our homes or locked in an office. We can still interact. 
be sociable. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, let's get out of here, shall we? Oh, all right. I'm Harlow. <laughs> I'm Mackie. I'm BJ. And uh, for Chuck, this is Bamcast Out. Stay safe, motherfuckers. <laughs> Good night. Okay, last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer.